Welcome to Sunday Chats 969, the podcast where you can listen back to interviews that were first broadcast on All FM 96.9. We are an award-winning community radio station based in Manchester, and on today's show we are welcoming back the fantastic author and comedian Philip Carter to give us the update on the ever-evolving Who Built the Humans, what Phil's planning for this year, and how you can get coached by Phil, as well as details of his latest prompts book, 52 Horror Prompts. Welcome back to the second hour of the Sunday Tea Show right here on 96.9 All FM on your radio, allfm.org, wherever you are in the world, online. You're joined by me, Ruth O'Reilly. And today I've got not one but two guests live in the studio. So my special guest in hour one has been the fantastic award-winning journalist Andrew Shanahan. And we've been celebrating the release of the single of Before and After, which is Flesh and Blood. Still the same themes, but you've 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 dived in deep haven't you Andrew and it's been great to get uh, a reading of both before and after and uh, fresh flesh and blood because we first spoke to you during the uh, lockdown era did yeah long time ago but feels like a long time ago I think years are seeming like decades at the moment but yes it was just two years ago it does yeah it does feel like a long phase of time and also now I'm joined by the uh, amazing comedian and publisher Philip Carter you're such a creative chameleon I'm always thinking how should I um, describe you actually but fair enough I should (laughs) see more as well Um, but it's really good because again um, we first um, got to know each other during the, the lockdown phase it was a remote interview we weren't allowed guests in the studio so it's great to have you back in and talk about what you're planning next because I do believe this year is going to be a big year for you in terms of maybe even the Edinburgh Fringe yeah I booked my hotel last yikes. night yikes I've, I've, wow. I've not got the set nailed down so if I don't get a slot I don't get a slot but I'm going to go either as a as audience or performer let the well, decide. well, yeah, I think that it's good to leave it up to the universe. It's very much in in the theme of your, your book, isn't it? You mm. know, and it's like during last year, one of the things that you managed to do was become a, a radio um, radio presenter as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I work at, uh, I was going to say All FM then, but that's where I am right now. <laughs> oh, uh, he's putting it out I'm, there. I'm angling towards it. No, I work at Fab Radio at the moment. They don't pay me enough. Well, that's, a, that's a joke because I know Steve, my co-host, is listening right now. Yikes! <laughs> I'm quite happy there, but uh, yeah, it's really good. We do a show at seven p.m., which is you know, so you're not Steve's clashing in. with us, you know, no, no competition. No, no, it's internet radio as well, so we can be more naughty. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the problem that you've had, Andrew, isn't it? Because you know, like the. There's a few books, that, a few words that really flesh out the, the, the story, but we're just like, if you really want to know what they are, go to page, whatever it was, kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously it's a big night tonight with, with the BAFTAs, and when I heard about The Whale, I thought, at first I was like, is, is that Andrew's book all right? And then I was like, oh no, it's, it's <laughs> not. But yeah, there they are in, in, in glitzy America. They're kind of tackling that, that topic. Um, people are always been on the big side over there in America anyway, and um, so it's so it's a slightly different story. But I think it's kind of 
going to bring you in the UK more to the forefront with, with what you're doing? And, and just as you went through the um, audition process for, for your audio book, I was, I was wondering, I know you can't decide who the character w- would be, the main actor, but have you got any thoughts about who you, who you would like it to be? Was there anyone who, when you wrote before and after, you, you thought, this is Ben? Um, that's a really good question, and I don't generally have an answer. My wife is insistent that Ben would be... Um, who's the guy who plays uh, Ben Solo in um, in Star Wars, the Star Wars later Oh, films. I know his face, yeah. I don't know his name. He's very tall, he's got black hair. Do I, you know it, Phil? He was in Marriage Story as well. Mm. Um, anyway, him. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to my mind, there's so many good actors. Mm. I think in some ways... You know the f- the fact that the whale took uh, Brendan Fraser and they've they've used CGI and um, you know, yeah. makeup. I think it gives an anyone could a, be the person, isn't it? Anyone. Yeah, I think it gives an actor a really good opportunity to showcase some some physicality mm. about um, how they can perform. Um, you know, so I, I would be happy with anyone. I'm keeping my nose out. Ah. But but hopefully it will be a mank. Hopefully it will. You'd love it. Yeah. Can it you? Would be nice. ho- hopefully it's not going to be like an American doing a Dick Van Dyke with a mank. That would be something else, wouldn't it? But um, well, I was at university with Benedict Cumberbatch in Manchester. So oh wow. May- maybe he can do an Amer- a mank accent. You'd hope so after a few years at university. So. Mm. Oh, that would be absolutely amazing if you could get Benedict Cumberbatch. It'd I mean, be... he's, he's always been the one that's 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 tipped, isn't he, to be the next what whatever? Because I, I remember Matt Haig saying that when. How to Stop Time was coming out, that was going to be him, but we never hear about that, so don't yeah. know. I don't know. How can people get in contact with you, Andrew? I mean, it, do you like to get um, like comments from, from people uh, on yeah. the spot? Yeah. Or <laughs> you, you've got your, your Shanahan fans. I know I'm saying that wrong, but, but what what is that? It's a Shanahan so, fan society um, or something? Yeah, it's just... Uh, so if, if people ever want to find out a bit more about me and the mm. books and things, um, I have a, a blog at Hello Shan, mm. so H-E-L-L-O-S-H-A-N, uh, I think that's .co.uk or .com. I think, I think it was .co.uk the last yes. time we got the... Um, uh, playlist and then i'm generally on uh twitter and facebook so if you just search shan is writing on facebook that's probably the most up-to-date one and you can sign up for email uh, information or just Wonderful. you know hang out on amazon you think you can follow me on amazon and so when a new book appears then you'll get a notification or when the series appears, mm, in fact. It's a good underutilised feature, that following authors on Amazon. It's true. I can recommend it. Yeah. Okay. It's really good because there's people that I actually know in person and they will tweet saying, I've got a new book out and I won't see it. Yeah. Mm. So like, you, you follow, follow them on Amazon and then you'll find out. Yeah, because they'll email you. Yeah. 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 I mean, pr- promotion, um, Andrew. The, well, one of the reasons why I got Phil on is he, he's, he's amazing with these creative ways of publicising his books, aren't you, Phil? Hmm, yeah, I've actually wound up switching a lot of them off at the moment because I'm like working with a magazine to promote the next book. So there's a weird irony to it where I've, right. I've, I've turned all of my like graphic design brain off and then ported it to somebody else's magazine okay. but the end result is that another one of my books is going to be advertised mm. by them so it's like everybody's doing each other favours but yeah I love <laughs> making the uh, graphics for Who Built the Humans in the beginning well well, it's just that in Andrew's case he, he's got, got amazing book covers as we've been explaining to, to the listeners with um, 
with biscuits and I mean you know it, it, it's always sex or food that sells isn't it Absolutely. so you've gone for the for the the food both at the same time <laughs> I, just, I just want to say I've never heard Ruth sound that excited <laughs> just saying just saying the word biscuits like, I've never I've never heard anyone that happy before <laughs> well it's radio you've got to try and sound happy um, so Andrew was that like a marketing decision of yours to kind of put a biscuit on, on the cover so that people will, will gravitate towards the book for that reason alone. So when, um, you know, if you, you're looking at the covers for other post-apocalyptic books, they're very sort of uh, action hero and dramatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that within kind of the, the charts of these books, you see all of these samey looking covers and then right in the middle there's, um, there's a biscuit. <laughs> and I think that that's, mm. you know... Um, there's that theory, isn't there, that you can either just copy everything or go completely the other way. Yeah. And by going completely the other way, I think it, it has definitely helped the books to stand out because mm-hmm. lots of people... And as you say, you know, it, it does play on the fact that people like biscuits. So, yeah. you know, if you saw a giant bourbon, you'd, you know, at least you know what it is. And so you, you go across... To, uh, although lots of people have also said that they thought it was a house brick, so, you know. Wow. Well, maybe that's your, your next Ginger book. Americans might not be familiar with it. I think they think it's an ice cream sandwich because I think oh, they look quite right. similar. So, but, so the bourbon, yeah. is that actually a biscuit in, a, in the UK? I mean, in America? Because I always felt no. that it was a very UK biscuit, it is, that one. You're absolutely right. Right. It's just... It's, um, They're an invasive species in America. <laughs> Let's send a, a gigantic uh, bourbon instead of a balloon and see what see what happens. <laughs> if all I achieve in my literary career is introducing the bourbon to America, I'll be very happy. Yeah, frankly. Well, there's the bourbon guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Means something else over there, of course. But, you know. I was pronouncing it wrong, actually. I don't know how you pronounce it, Phil. Do you? Do you are you a fan of I the know, cream I, custard? I I hide so I now pronounce it however you pronounce it. No. Right. I'm okay. Sure, I'm sure well, we both pronounce it different moment. ways. So where are you going to fall? used to be bourbon yeah because mm. like speaking to american friends this is it when you're talking to people from from different yeah. places which oh, is oh it makes sense now my friend asked me what i had for breakfast the other week and i said a b- bourbon and he said are you okay oh, <laughs> no, uh, i get it now oh this is, this is time <laughs> traveling cultural, cultural issues yeah right. but you've you've, you've oh. traveled forward in time that yes. time to, to the time when you meet the the, the guy that has a, <laughs> a biscuit on, on the, the front of his book i wanted to, to ask you andrew about the, this book is it having in intele- international recognition or is it mainly the fact that, you know, we're Manx, we recognise the, the places, which is a great thing in itself, but have you got, like, people in... That's a good know? question. Um, I don't know if I can see... Oh, yeah, no, I can. Um, so the sales for uh, the book are primarily in the UK and then secondarily in, in America. Mm. Um, but there's not a massive amount of difference between it. And then kind of like tailing off into, you know, uh, Amazon, Japan. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, well, they're, they're always in for a trend I anyway, aren't they? they? Just like biscuits, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I haven't translated it into Japanese, so who knows why. Oh, wow, well, that could be interesting. English, English-speaking <laughs> Japanese people, of course. Yeah. Cause, they just see the biscuit and think it's a pack of biscuits. <laughs> and just think, great. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're just sat at home in <laughs> a book. How many people have bought that book and are disappointed? Oh, <laughs> yeah. There, just dipping Nothing it in Nothing for tea. tea. Oh, I love this tasty. <laughs> yeah, I just want to, like, try and eat it. 
but but um, I think it should be in supermarkets. It, it really should. I mean, it actually gives you the license to sell a pack of them. To just literally, <laughs> so like a pack pack. Of, yeah, yeah, a pack of biscuits, and no it's all just the, the, the one book. Yeah, yeah, no, no rights to to resell. Yeah, definitely. One thing that you've both got in common, though, is. Um, like sci-fi books because because andrew you, you you were telling me that if you if you'd i mean this is almost it's like realistic sci-fi isn't it it's kind of like it's it's sci-fi but because you've kind of you've added the you know the, the lovely dog character and the that the love story in in a way it it opens it up to for everyone it's not just like that that die-hard lads book anyone could can read it so mm. but it's kind of still sci-fi in a sense isn't it yeah a lot of people in reviews have said things similar to that like you know this isn't my normal genre you know i don't like books mm. about zombies um but i ended up really liking this and yeah. i think quite a few people um have come to it through book clubs um, right. where it's been featured a couple of times so uh, you know which is great because you people end up reading something that they wouldn't normally and hopefully finding something that they like about that genre that they might come back to for other books. Mm -hmm. You've both got this thing about like promoting your book in, in, in various ways. So with you, Andrew, what was your most successful way of promoting your book? Um, I'm not sure if it was the most successful. It's probably the one I enjoyed most. And it's something that people can still do, actually, is book me for a reading. Okay. So when um, the book first came out, it came out in January of uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. And obviously quite quickly we went into lockdown after that. I think it was March of that year. And so my kind of uh, ideal about doing readings in bookshops and oh, things right, like that yeah. was blown out of the water. And so yeah. what I did was um, I just set up a, a calendar online for a You Can Book Me and people around the world have booked me to, to do a reading of the book. So God, 10 minutes. That idea. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's great fun because... You know, I've read to, to people literally all around the world who were just yeah. on their lunch break, essentially. Oh, like on Zoom or yeah. something like that? Yeah, yeah, on Zoom or over the phone. And um, it's that's been a really nice way of... And they don't have to have read the book. It's just a way of me getting the book out there. So will you just read like a little segment like what you did for us today? Exactly. So I think I do 10 minutes, which is typically I read about sort of, um, you know, about 70% of the first chapter. Brilliant, um, yeah. And try and edit out all the swear words as I go. And you do have a, quite a soothing voice when you're reading Thanks. it, even though, you know, it, it's dystopian. You could do alternative meditation. And <laughs> and now it's time to pick up another biscuit <laughs> and place it in your mouth. Having that uh, calm, deadpan voice, I think we've both got the same thing. It makes it makes writing dystopian stuff really fun. Yeah. Because when mm. you wind up reading stuff out, you'll read something absolutely horrifying and people can listen to it to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a lot of fun. <laughs> when I first read like the first chapter of Before and After, it was making me laugh out loud uh, immediately, and I, I just felt that that you, Andrew, you don't like realise how funny you you actually can can be in a way. And I was just oh, wondering, would, would you ever kind of um, go into stand up comedy genre or anything like that? Um, no, for the simple reason that I'm I'm not really a performer. So I I did do drama at university mm. and really enjoyed that. But I enjoyed it because of the writing and okay. you know, having always wanted to tell stories. That's that's the side of things that I fall on. And I think you know you probably shouldn't be in a profession where if you know bit performing makes me feel sick all day every day. Okay, um, yeah. And that's probably no, no I way get to that. Live. I don't know. How do you find performing? Does it make you nervous? Oh. I did because I started doing. Um, I started by being a poet, 
And just like before the lockdown, my family had had a really rough time and I thought I want to go on a night out and I'd just come back to Manchester from Liverpool. Mm. Didn't know anybody really. And I thought I'm going to go on a night out on my own. And I thought I'd try stand-up. I did five minutes and I just went, I'm not doing good at this. <laughs> and then I went, did some poetry events around Manchester and people were saying to me, oh, you're a really good comedian. And I thought, well, that's fine because I've just <laughs> read a poem. <laughs> and it sort of just... Yeah happened by accident and then eventually like the lockdown calmed down and I realised actually maybe I'm not an imposter in the comedy scene so what I did is I went and I went and um, got myself a slot at the Thirsty Scholar oh yeah which is a really nice welcoming night and most of the audience tends to be comedians as well yeah which you'd think was scary but I thought it's kind of reassuring mm. um, so I did my first proper stand up I think about a week and a half ago now so is poetry still in your stand up? Yeah, but as a backup, kind of thing. <laughs> so, so I like I've written a book of funny poems, which I'm not going to mention the name of today because it'll be overwhelming for listeners. Because I've got loads <laughs> of other stuff to talk about, and it's not out yet. Okay. Because um, I've got one last poem to write, but it's so dark, I don't know if it's funny. So I'm just, I'm like sending it to people, and I'm like, please, why aren't you replying? Is it is it that bad? <laughs> and so I'm just waiting for my beta readers to like go through therapy and then tell me how they feel about oh, it. Oh god! But um, yeah, so I. I took three comedy poems with me on stage and I, I said, mm. right, there's three poems here on this desk mm. and I'm going to do some stand-up now. I've not brought any material. The poems are my backup. If I'm doing bad, somebody just quietly point towards the poems <laughs> and I'll read that. And nobody pointed, so I must have done okay. <laughs> but it was, it did feel weird because I thought I've not got to the point where I had to read the stuff that I've put a lot of effort in, whereas I've just told people a story about working in Primark and they've just enjoyed that more. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Not not to slam poetry as a genre, but for me at least, I might be moving slightly away from it, doing more comedy stuff. Primark rhymes with loads as well. <laughs> the, the mundane aspect is always the best though, isn't it, when you just like capture the, the humour in something like so mundane as working in Primark or or, or eating a supposedly boring biscuit, you know, it, it's there, isn't it? The humour is, is there immediately. But what happened with, with Phil, Andrew, is um, I, I I introduced him to one of the most um, popular um, speakeasy nights, which is at Dulcimer's once um, a month, every first Thursday of the month. Um, so that's, that's speakeasy. Mm-hmm. And he, he went there to um, to get, like into the whole performance aspect again after lockdown mm. and and people were, were were laughing at your poetry weren't they mm. in a way that you weren't actually expecting yeah, them like, to yeah like i knew it was funny but mm. i didn't know it was that funny mm. um and I, I i wound up being invited to a group of comedians on because i've got a patreon i don't use that these days but i wound up being invited through patreon into a group of comedians and I was saying to them the other week, I thought I'd been playing on easy mode this whole time, you know, doing comedy at the end of a poetry set. It, indeed, Andy, who does speak easy, mm-hmm. said to me the other hi, week, Andy. we're doing, hi Andy, if you're out there. He might not be out there. I bet he is, though. Um, but um, yeah, I went to speak easy the other week and he said, we're going to put you near the end because you're funny and the rest of the stuff is quite serious. Yeah. So you'll lighten the mood. And I thought, 
oh, I'm actually useful for something that's interesting. <laughs> Bring in the clown. <laughs> it, it, it's nice dance, to experiment. Yeah. <laughs> nice to experiment with contrast, though, which is something that Andrew mm. does quite well in, in oh, his yeah, book. You, you're balancing the, the serious topics there with, with humour and strategic places, so, so it does kind of keep things moving along and keep everything entertaining as well, which is like the, the most important thing, isn't it? So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You'd rather have people reading the book than, you know, massive critical reviews or anything like that. Yes, exactly. And we we are in very sci-fi-esque times even in in reality now, so so it so it's great. So one of the things that Andrew's going to do Phil is a a sci-fi paranormal thriller, wasn't it? Is that still going to happen or is it like shelved? No, there's there's lots and lots of ideas at the moment, so the the next book that I'm working on will be out this year. Um, and I've just finalised the plot for it, so now uh, the only thing that remains wow. is the the small task of writing it mm. and then rewriting it. No, wow! Writing. How long does it take you on average? Um, typically, it will take me about a month, month and a half to write a draft. Okay. So I write quite quickly, um, and then it takes me sort of several months to get over the revulsion of that first draft. Oh, okay. You, you're one of these people no, that puts up. it in a drawer for a little while and just oh, yeah. lets it saturate. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. because I think, you know, until you've got a bit of... Um, until the, the scab's healed, you can't go back and pick it off. Right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry you, for you anyone stopped. who's eating. No, I, I put, I honestly, when I met you only five minutes ago... <laughs> I had the same. I had the same thought. I thought it looks. It looks the type to do that because <laughs> I can just tell because I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. For like writing, who built the humans took maybe two months, and then I left it alone for six months, and then I got back into it, mm. and then spent four months rearranging the stories so you could read it in whichever order you wanted it. It still makes sense. Mm. Which was harder than writing the thing, which yeah. is a weird, a weird choice mm. to make. The thing is, that's that's one of the reasons why I kind of thought that you guys would, would get on because 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 Andrew's got a technique within his book where he's going, it's not just called before and after, it's actually going um, back in time as well as forwards in time, isn't it? So you're kind of both playing with time, mm. in a sense. Yeah, and it's, I mean, to be honest, it seems like that's quite a common um, thing to do these days, is, is looking at those sort of, you know, the different perspectives and the, you know, temporal shifts and things like that. Um, I don't know, I find it's, it's easier in a way to think of a, when you're trying to think of you know your 30 chapters or your 35 chapters or whatever mm. um, it often seems less like a, a mountain to climb if you're thinking how else am I telling this story you know yeah so in, in flesh and blood in before and after rather it was you know 10 11 chapters looking at, at Ben's life beforehand mm. and then uh, 13 14 chapters of his life afterwards and so that just seemed like a nice balance to have. So people, it's not just relentlessly one note, but sure. Um, Is it something that the whole book will present itself in in a certain way, or you get the the idea for a a a novel, and then you're like, well, which way am I going to present this? Or does it all kind of like come fully formatted with this needs to be presented in this kind of a fashion, or did you kind of like think a little bit? It's a good question. That? I mean, I suppose you're, I'd be interested in your answer for that, Phil, because obviously, why did you then choose to? Because you said you'd written it, and yeah. then you decided in the editing process that you wanted to split it up in that way that it could be read in different formats. Yeah, well, it started off weirdly enough. I'm put, I'm writing a book now, which is free, by the way, on my Substack, which we'll get into later, called The Stephanie Glitch, and there were some offshoots from that in way back in 2017, mm. like planets she didn't visit that I was writing about, and I thought, these aren't actually chapters, these are entire 
stories so, yeah. on their own. Like Stephanie's not very involved in this. She sort mm. of just flies past while a load of stuff's happening. Um, so I made a short story collection, and initially, Who Built the Humans was going to be a leaflet. I was gonna. Ha- I was gonna. Wow, a leaflet. Yeah, so you're gonna, joking. It's nearly like a sci-fi bible. I know, 130,000 words. I was. I was gonna hand it out in Manchester and say you know check out my free stories on my website and then eventually people would like them enough that they'd give me mm. their hard earned money that was the goal <laughs> good idea good business it's kind of working mm. it's kind of working now but like back then the leaflet was for four stories then it was 16 then it was 37 mm. then it was 52 and then I was like right cut it down to 50 and then my beta reader said 50 feels arbitrary if you pick a solid number like that, it makes it feel like you might have had 48 and you forced yourself to write another two. So I thought, right, okay, I'll cut it down, and I cut it down to 47, and there's 15 comedy poems in there. Yeah. And when I say poems, dear listener, they <laughs> each take 15 minutes to read. They're big, big, smelly poems, um, and they're horrible. I can't read them on the radio, not even on the internet safe radio. Oh, that means Stephen. Wow. They're, they're vicious. But they're like, so there's serious science fiction and then another serious science fiction story and then the slam poem and the poem typically responds to the science fiction that came beforehand by satirising it. So there'll be like a serious story about alien abductions and then a series of poetic jokes about alien abductions straight afterwards. Right. And I realised this works, I could make it so the book's a lot cleverer than it looks on the surface if I have like a kind of build your own adventure thing. Yeah. So at the end of one chapter it could say, if you want to find out what happens next in this universe, turn to page 200. If you don't, mm. turn to the next page. Yeah. And if people turn to the next page, they get a whole different universe thrown in their face. And somebody said to me a while ago, it's ADHD friendly science fiction. <laughs> which yeah. I thought, oh, that's brilliant. I feel like an imposter. But I went to a doctor the other day and I might get diagnosed with it. So that's, that kind of went all circular. <laughs> I, I believe that technology is making us all a little bit that way, though. We've all got like shorter attention spans now, don't we? So so it's good to, to create content that's got the, the dip in and out of elements. Mm. Oh, yeah, there's definitely... I mean, I, I do a bit of writing coaching at the moment and I I caused some trouble the other day by saying the issue for a lot of writers why people aren't buying their books is that their books aren't as interesting as TikTok Mm. and that's you know it sounds like a horrible thing to say but I'm including myself in that category well Um, there is book talk as a a, a theme these days it's it's weird there's a lot of books that are doing well on book talk but I've not got into them because they're really slow burn romances you'd think it'd be something hyperactive that would sell Mm. on TikTok Mm. but it's slow burn romance. I, I like. I read the free previews. I, I don't really. I don't understand how somebody's gone from an app where if your video doesn't catch their attention in the first picosecond, they're gone, <laughs> and now they want to read something that's four hundred thousand words long about somebody called Elizabeth. <laughs> Just, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know how that's like cognitively how that happens. I imagine it must be akin to like being drugged. That kind of <laughs> massive <laughs> cognitive leap between two different reading styles. I think with. I mean, you know, not to malign BookTok at all, because obviously they're a huge um, slathering army who could come after me. But the um, there does seem to be a little bit of, you know, performance around the, the reading that they do. Yeah. Where there's a lot of sort of showing off covers and, mm-hmm. you know, and talking about how many books they read. You know, in January I read 32 books. Mm. Yeah. Really? Like, I mean, you know, it's incredible. I'm, I'm an incredibly slow reader, so... My book talk would be, you know, I read one book last year, therefore, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I yeah, I get that. I'm, 
I think it's because of genre as well. So, like, romance books, typically, they're quite easy to read. Yeah, and sure. they're designed yeah. to be easy to read. I don't want I don't want anybody to misinterpret <laughs> that as me not liking romance. I know romance authors, and I might secretly have a job as somebody who does romance audiobooks. You know, I, so I'm not allowed to just. But when it's just reading a book, is it got the same definition these days as it used to? I mean, like when they say I have read a book, is it really the same definition, or is it just I have listened to a? I've that's a good point. That's yeah. the thing. People, yeah. people say listening is reading, but like when it comes to genre as well, science fiction takes a lot longer to read, especially if if you're writing time travel stories, for example. Mm. Somebody, I mean, somebody read my book three times just so she could like work out little secret stuff inside it. I'm like, well, that's that's not going to do very well for your book talk, is it? Thank you, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something to make you a very proud author, Phil, yeah. I must say. We'll talk a little bit more about what you're doing after a, another track from um, Andrew's uh, soundtrack. I think we'll have um, Birdhouse. Bonnet. Make a little birdhouse in your soul. Get 
You're listening to the Sunday Tea Show right here on 96.9 All FM on your radio, allfm.org, wherever you are in the world. Online, big thank you to the fantastic Andrew Shanahan for being my special guest on today's show. You can find Before and After and Flesh and Blood uh, now available on Amazon and do check Andrew Shanahan out online. Wish him all the success for guessing it translated into a motion picture. Still live in the studio with me today, I've got fantastic comedian Philip Carter. You were always a comedian, weren't you, Phil? I guess so, deep down inside, yeah. <laughs> but we are chatting today about a range of things. Now, first of all, I thought, like, continuing with the theme of bringing guests back, seeing what they're doing next, and the fact that we first connected during lockdown, and now you can actually be live in the studio. It is actually, I don't know if you're aware of this, it's, it, it's two years this month, February, um, since I first interviewed you on All Effort. So that's a bit of a I milestone, did, isn't it? Didn't know we were quite up to two years yet. That's yeah. Just... Yeah, because it, it was February 2021, so I was like, wow. Because I was going through my podcasts of, of guests that I had, because I've had a couple of different guests saying, oh, this is where I'm up to now. And then I just kind of like realised, I was like, whoa, have I known Phil that long? But Who Built the Humans is a book that's like really evolved during that time as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting, because it's got like a mix of serious science fiction and comedy in it. Mm-hmm. It's had different receptions based on like different websites. Like on Goodreads, people seem to think it's a serious novel. Okay. On Amazon, it's a comedy. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's telling you a lot about the audiences, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I first came across your, your reviews on Goodreads, and, you know, they are all amazing at the time. I don't have any here now, but I remember they were all amazing. I, th- there was someone that was talking about the fact that you could learn a lot of actual science from it as well. Oh, was I, it? Yeah, that I've was in the beginning. Read, I've not read that one yet. Yeah, that, that was in the, in the beginning, and I was, like, I was very into quantum physics at that kind of dystopian... Yeah reality period so I was I was all over that but it was also you know the way you uh, slated astrology yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you saw through that and knew it was just playful yeah because yeah. I think once one person gave it a one-star review and that was either because of the uh, the god jokes or the astrology jokes so I'll never know but um I, it's quite interesting because I'm I think like comedy wise I've always been sort of it's, it's better to be cheeky and playful than to be horrible and I think some people genuinely don't understand the difference between the two. Mm. Like some people will like attack a subject, whereas I actually had to research quite a bit about astrology. So there's a, there's an aspect yes. of there's an element of care there where I was like, I want to take the Mickey, but I don't want to be an idiot. Well, yeah, and yeah, and obviously that was kind of like what what I recognised. And people don't realise that about comedy, do they? You know, you've actually got to be quite passionate with the, the topic that you're. And like astrology does work for some people, but it just it, it also is a very funny subject. But to be honest, yeah. when I say that, I, I can't really think of a subject that wouldn't be funny to put into a poem if, well, you, if you do it tactfully. Well, it's it, it's my my day job, so I do know that that it works. But it, it's also really. F- funny just kind of like you know delving into life itself on this whole other level but we've got you here today to talk about um 
developments in your in your writing and your because you were just like an all-around entertainer and I mean you know pure creativity why box it in into one particular box basically you started th- this year by um performing an, an epic poem that you wrote as part of the um nobody left behind an anthology for for mustard tree didn't you and mm. and that was a poem about the economic crisis that that went down amazing didn't it yeah i was surprised how much people liked that because um at the event where we launched it there was some very serious poems about mm. you know people struggling and dying in the economic crisis and then my poem immediately afterwards was a comedy about that exact same subject mm. so i thought you know that's probably the riskiest thing i've done but people did like it I yeah. think it's easier when you're on stage than on the page with material like that because people can see you and they can see that your intention is to satirise how horrible like certain governments have been rather than to poke fun at the people that are suffering. Whereas if people read stuff on the stage, uh, on the page sometimes they'll misinterpret things. Um, but yeah, I I put a lot of effort into that particular piece, especially like looking up... Um, you know, it's, just, it's it takes you down a weird down a weird um, a weird path because mm. I wound up researching Canada's new euthanasia bill. Okay. And like reading all forty odd pages of that. Wow. And thinking, right, how am I going to be able to make a joke about some of these things and make it technically correct and also jaunty, not just dark, but a bit zany instead? Mm. Is, is I just it, think of their prime minister and uh, that that in itself. Yeah, I mean, I've made jokes about their prime minister before that I I can't repeat. Uh, on radio, but they, they're on Instagram Canadian if you want to find them. They're on Instagram. I think swearing and, and all the rest of it is a good kind of like it's a good tactic, isn't it, to, to get people to, to delve deeper into your work. We can't talk about it here, but go and check whatever out. I don't think there's any swearing in the <laughs> euthanasia poem. I don't think I needed it. Some, ah. Sometimes I just look for a word that rhymes and it just so happens there's a swear. Oh, word. right, yeah, yeah. It's, you just, yeah. They're all, for me, it's just it's all Lego. It's all stuff to <laughs> build a story with. <laughs> You you were one of the the first like creative artists that really brought to my attention that the way you would write for the page is potentially different to the way you would write for for, for the stage. Mm. Um, so so I think that that's kind of interesting, and I find that the way that that you do your performances, you do a lot of slightly improv in in a sense so even though your planning is and your research is meticulous sometimes on an actual night you will do an amazing improv performance yeah i've been told um not to do that recently in a workshop yeah okay and it wound up being it was really good feedback because i read a short comedy story out on um it's realphilipcarter.substack.com um, I'm not trying to sell you anything, dear listener. Everything on there is free. Um, and it was a short story called Are Dogs Real? written by a fake conspiracy theorist who's trying to prove that dogs aren't real. Um, okay. And I read that out, and I wound up improvising some lines, and somebody said, were you improvising there? You don't need to. It was perfect as it was. And I thought, that's the nicest feedback anybody's got in this workshop. So, yeah, fair enough. I might leave it alone. But I'm always... Always going back and chiseling. I mean, even Who Built the Humans, I'm going to do a director's cut of that just with the funny stories in it and taking the serious stuff out just to see if I can reach a different audience because of the fact that it's got two different genres in it. It's been incredibly hard to, like, market. So a lot of my author friends are selling a lot more books than me 
because they're better at marketing there, and obviously some of their books are better as well. I well, like, I don't, don't, I don't think they're exactly I'm shoot better. Myself, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot, but I've got a friend <laughs> called John Coon in America, and he's amazing. He's fantastic at everything he does. He does the marketing really well, and he started out as a sports journalist as well, really? so his, his writing's really tight. There's not, like, a single word wasted. Whereas I like to waste words for comedic effect, as you may have noticed. <laughs> um, one of the things that, that that you do as well is you actually have your, your own talk show, don't you? Which jo John was one of your most popular guests, I believe. Yeah, I remember I interviewed him in, I think, June 2021. And I said in the interview, you're going to be a best-selling author by this time next year and I want to interview you again. And that was the first time we'd spoke. Wow. And he laughed. And uh, June 2022, I interviewed him. I said, so how's, what's it like being a best-selling author? <laughs> and um, he got like a book bub deal. He'd sold, um, I can't say exactly how many, but it was in the four digits in one day. Wowzers. He did. He did really well. Okay. And I knew it was going to happen. So, um, Prophetic Yeah. Film. But I could just tell by the way, he, like, the way he held himself and the way he was when he talked to people online, I thought people are going to get behind him just because he's nice. And that's that's a that's that's something that is actually kind of missing these days. Is people get really argumentative on Twitter, whereas I'm just there to have a laugh. So I, I, I think people kind of hang out with you. Yeah, but but I know that yeah, Twitter is changing now with Elon Musk, isn't it? Really, you know. It's yeah, it's it's going all different directions. Like a lot of people I know have left, um, whereas I've found I, I'm getting more attention on Twitter. Like I've just like I'm on here today to talk about. Uh, the writing coach and I've just opened up because the books, despite not selling loads and loads and loads, everybody that's bought one's like, oh, I wish I could write like you. Mm -hmm. And I sort of missed, missed teaching because I did a bit of teaching at uni a few years ago, had my own writing society, um, and wow. I've just missed doing that. So I'm I'm getting back into that now. But because a lot of my audience are like far away, like not everybody's in Manchester. Quite a few people are in Canada. <laughs> I thought, right, we'll do like online workshops. Okay. Oh, so the, these are online. That was one of the things I was going to ask you, Phil. I think it's really good for you if you're going to be concentrating on the performances and the comedic work in in Manchester. Um, it, it's good to still have an outlet for you for your writing. It's kind of it, it's dividing both, isn't it? So yeah. to, to to write and and coach people. I realised I had like three different audiences. I had people that were interested in me for the comedy, people that were interested in me for the existentialist science fiction, mm. people that were interested in me because they wanted me to teach them how to write and how to perform, and maybe about five percent of all of those people want all three. Right. So I wind up like I have like multiple websites. I've got a halfplanetpress.substack.com, so that's halfplanetpress.substack.com, and that is basically free coaching forever. So if you, if you wow. want to like have writing tips, I'll read one out right now, so you don't need to bother looking <laughs> for your laptop, dear listener. So if you're writing a book, don't front load your story with a hefty prologue. So instead, cut some of the prologue out and place it within dialogue. And what I mean by that is if you've got a sci-fi novel or a fantasy novel, that's mm. the genre it typically happens in, and memoirs, people will start by going, right, well, I was born at the age of zero in a town, and there was a fountain in the town, and a guy built the fountain, and the guy's name is Steve, and he had a sister called Gloria, and Gloria used to bake cakes. And some books start like that, and they will continue like that for about 50 pages. Mm. And um, like if you quiz readers, about 90% of people say they just get bored and skip those bits. Yeah. So it's like people put effort into something that readers are skipping. So you, you want to get 
all that detail which is useful and spread it out throughout the book so I only give it to the reader when they need it when it's relevant that's really interesting Phil because like when we chat about writing and and stuff like that you, you one of the things that you made me realize is that like I I hate write I hate being too descriptive I actually hate mm. being too descriptive especially like I I'm I favor um non-fiction over fiction for that reason even though there's like a, a little creative mm. writing person in me no con controversial I'm the same oh wow genuinely okay. yeah I prefer to read books about physics yeah, 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 but I mean, what you've done there is you—you've blended both in such a, an amazing way. But yeah, so this Substack is this like a, a blog with writing advice? Yeah, it's a free blog with writing advice. Some of it's uh, free subscribers only, so I will need your email address for you to be able to see it. Mm -hmm. That's only to filter out people who won't be interested in like some other stuff because people, I found in the past, people would subscribe for the writing advice, and then they'd, they'd be like a mass exodus of people when I posted like advice for how to write poetry so right, okay. so you can subscribe to different parts of the newsletter so you ah. so your email inbox isn't filled with rubbish that you don't want because oh. i do so many things i've had to design a system where people can pick and choose oh, yeah. it's like a buffet of writing advice so, so, it, so it's like preference boxes and stuff like that yeah so it's like it's tailored it's suited to every single individual reader who wants to be part of it can join it for free and they can get only the content they want to get and then at any point you can subscribe and unsubscribe from different inboxes and get different stuff so if you decide oh, i want to learn to write comedy you can sign up to the comedy one and right. if you get bored of that you can leave it and then join a poetry one something like that i think you know if someone's like gone to one of your performances and seeing you know you're only on the stage like half a minute or whatever and you are like packing a punch and getting the, the laughs there that they will know that if they are wanting to go into this genre it's worth looking at you know your, your advice and you know mm. how how you've like carefully chiseled away there at, at your art so so this is a a writing workshop it's primarily going to be on online right did you do it like one day a week or how, how's it working out right now at the moment i've scheduled about 20 different posts um and they're going to go out once a week because i don't want to overload people okay but i did write a book on creative writing while i was teaching it uh, is I, that the 52 horror prompts? Or is that no, a it's one? not. That's a, def that's a completely different oh, one. It was, okay. a, it was a like big book of all the classroom notes I'd done and like all the seminars and stuff and the visiting writers that I had in. And ah. just like ideas I got based around that and like lessons I designed in, in PowerPoint and taught and I converted them into a book. Um, but it's not quite ready yet. So I'm, I'm basically I'm posting it chapter by chapter on Substack for free. Because wow. I thought it'd help more people. Okay, yeah, um, I mean, you are very generous that way. You've gone to uni, so they don't have to do this. Yeah, well, that's basically <laughs> the idea, yeah. I mean, there is... I do also do one-to-one -one coaching, um, mm -hmm. and that's, that's like a paid service. I'm thinking at, at the moment I was going to go for, like, maybe... Uh, what was it? I don't know my own pricing structure because I'm always undercutting myself to make myself cheaper than everybody else. <laughs> Hang on, I'll find it. Yeah, so that's uh, £30 for a whole hour uh, to talk to me on Discord. And basically, you send me some of your work, and I'll tell you, well, not exactly what I think about it, but how you might want to improve it. And the only way I can do that is if people send me something and then say to me, this is what I want to achieve from it. So you're not going to get bland advice. I'm not going to say, oh, you need to cut that word and that word out. Because mm. for some writers, that won't apply. Some writers want to write really poetic stuff, and I might say, actually, you might want to add more words in. <laughs> right, uh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that, that maybe what you're doing is like 
life coaching, but but for for writing, where you're yeah. you're, you're taking a a client and you're looking at their work, and then you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, are they actually? Are they right? Is their writing actually fitting into the genre that they're telling you they want it to fit into? Because maybe you're seeing mm. beyond. Yeah, because I, I, it's more like yeah, it's like writing uh, life coaching. Because I, ha- I had one guy a while ago, and he said he wanted to be the J.K. Rowling of horror. And I, I, I said, why don't you pick a horror author that's successful? Because J.K. Rowling doesn't write horror. Mm. Um, and he, he hadn't considered that. He just wanted to have the same amount of sales as her. Mm. And the end of the day, we, f- we talked about it in the hour. It turned out he just wanted a yacht. Um, <laughs> he, he wasn't too keen on writing the book. He just wanted a big boat. And I, you know what? Fair enough. That's that's the kind of thing that will come out in the one-to-one workshops. But, uh, yeah, they are like £30 an hour at the moment. And the idea behind that is you'll only need one hour. You mean you if I do in a good job... In your entire writing yeah, life. If I do a good job of it, you're not going to need to speak to me again because mm. the workshop should be that damn good. Do you know um, what? And you I, know what? I'm going to... I don't think so. I think you'll get people addicted to it because I, I used to be the same. I used to think people are only going to need one tarot session, one astrology session. I'll just tell them what their characteristics are and, you know, hey-ho, they'll go off and have a lovely life. But next thing, they're like, what do I need to do for this and what do I need to do for that? So you'll yeah, have the same. that's fair enough, actually. You, you know what? You're right there because people write more than one book, don't they? And the, the advice would be different for each one. But yeah, um, as much as they are £30 an hour, I kind of want to get more people in so I can get back into doing it. So I was going to say on the radio, the first five people that like message me and say, hey, coach me, please, I'll just do it for free. Wow. Maybe in, in group coaching and in a I'd group l- coaching situation. To, yeah. And this is a great building, you know. Here we are, we're a community radio station. We, we are heavily uh, encouraging the, the writing community of Manchester to come out of the, the, the shadows and, um, yeah, kind of just explore w- what your writing style actually is. You know, maybe it could be that if we got a couple of listeners interested that we could arrange for something to take place here at Levens Humor Library. I think it's great, the idea that this was an old library and we are continuing the, the spirit of it being a library but by, by making new authors. Yeah, uh, definitely, because this is actually the first library I ever came to when I was on this planet. When I was so five, strange. four and a half years old, I believe I was, uh, the first time I was in, like, well, near this room mm. in this library. Obviously, a long time before we met. And it is interesting with all that ESP stuff as well because... I mean, I don't know if you want to bring it up. Well, we've got nine minutes left. But yeah, no, n- nine is, an, is a nice number, isn't it? Yeah. Because when when your book kind of introduced itself... See, that was another thing that you had in, in common with Andrew. His book introduced itself. Your book introduced itself. And I thought you were in America. I actually mm. thought you were in America at first. That's fair enough, 85% of my audiences. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like, I, I didn't know what, what you looked like. Because what I, what I like to do is... Before I'm, if I'm going to research someone, I'll research them extensively. But if something has kind of drawn me to them, I'll reach out to them in the first instance on what's drawn, and I won't like delve too deep in, into what it is. But but anyway, long story short, so I didn't know what you looked like. I didn't know where you came from. I thought you were in America. And next thing, it turned out that you were only like down the road, and that this was mm. your first library. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's it really weird, and like we're collaborating on a book at the moment, aren't we? Oh yeah, we may have we may have a book right. together, and that's something that you might do for other people as well, isn't it? It's kind of one of your um, services to, to to publish a book for someone, but like a sixty forty profit 
scheme? Yeah, my, my original press name before it was Half Planet Press, it was co called 6040 Press, mm. which I've, I have copyrighted. <laughs> I don't oh, no. need it anymore, but I have well, copyrighted it. But um, the idea is the author gets 60%, the publisher gets 40%, and that doesn't mean I'm walking around with 40% of the money you've made from your book. I'll plan to spend some of it on advertising at least. Wow. But um, it depends. So I think it's really useful because you're, you're fantastic at designing covers book covers i think there's so many people out there that get really bogged down by all the formatting and you're like a mini expert in all that aren't you as well as the the grammar and yeah the and like i'm i'm also i'd like to believe i'm humble enough to when i when i get stuck i've got friends and i can say right i'll give you like i'll give you 100 quid if you you fix the formatting for me i'm not too confident that, that i've done a good job and they'll go yeah all right so yeah. like i know professional editors and proofreaders and stuff so if i if i'm reached the limit of my knowledge i'm not going to fake it mm. um so it's, it's good to have those connections now because i didn't really have them like before the pandemic but mm. I, I did really well during the pandemic sold a lot more books then than i'm doing now it's interesting because like i've switched all my adverts off but i'm still seeing the horror prompt book still sells once every two or three days and we need no to adverts. mention that because I, I thought that maybe that was your writing coaching textbook in a sense or if you were doing a workshop you could use that because it is yeah the, the horror genre is like a very popular um genre in general whether it's movie or whether it, it's book so it's great to start to learn more about how to to, to write there for, for the horror genre and that's 52 prompts so we're kind of like into week seven now aren't we like the, the year this is like the seventh week of the era i think so so looking yeah, at is. the looking at the prompts for, for that on my copy here it says um a skeleton discovered in your protagonist's garden is found to be an exact match for their dna so now I like that one. I, I like that as well. I mean, well, well I don't you, remember. Oh, don't, I don't, don't remember writing it. Don't well, be I, like I, yeah. I was always like that. Any time I did an exam, I couldn't remember what I'd written after I'd done it. So, yeah. but w what does that prompt me? I mean, do, does that mean that it's an exact match with their DNA? Does that mean that they they are looking at themselves as a skeleton, or does it mean that they killed them, or what does it mean? What That's what you see that's exactly the reaction I wanted I've left the prompts purposefully vague because I've, I realise with a lot of prompt books it tells the reader exactly what to write mm. so and if it sells a million copies then, yeah. then there's a million people writing the same story True. so True. I thought I'll, I'll do something so that's kind of like in a way poetic hints towards for me science fiction author I, I interpret that as right so well she dies and goes back in time yeah, no, that that's, was what that's, I was that's thinking. The, that's the cheap and easy answer in my head. That, that was what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, that that that's that's me in the present, looking at me in the future or past yeah. or, or something uh, like that. And there's somebody went, who beta read that, and she she wrote a short story about it was actually a clone. So she winds up discovering that she's been part of this IVF like fertility clinic, mm. and there's just loads of different versions of her, and they all die of a mysterious disease at the age of thirty. So there's loads Ooh, of different ways to. I like it. There's loads of ways to go around it. Um, but yeah, if people join my Substack, I'm going to actually post some of those prompts for free, okay. so they can get the ebook for I think it's like two ninety nine at the moment. Yeah. Paperback six ninety nine. Tell, tell really us nice the the well. title again. It's fifty two weeks of horror. And it's got a skull on the cover, doesn't it? Red skull on the cover, yeah. And there's it's called Fifty Two Weeks of Horror because there's eight more in the series on the way. Fifty two weeks of science fiction, fifty two oh, weeks wow. of romance, fifty two weeks of erotica, which I'm not well versed in, so I've got a co writer for that one. Is that um, it, so? Which is which is next? Um, 
probably going to be poetry, I think, 52 weeks of poetry. 52 weeks of poetry, yeah. and we're coming up to, to, to Poetry Day again soon. So look into week eight, so I'll just read this one out, because um, that's be like next week's or the week comings one. Uh, a forest fire awakens an ancient hibernating entity that freezes people to death by touching them. The protagonist's home city is quarantined, not so far from the truth that he says, is it? Mm. And, and temperatures drop around her. And as temperatures drop around her, she's forced to think about how far she will go to stay alive. Yeah, see, see that. Yeah, that that really gets the imagination soaring. Yeah, I had a go on that one after I wrote the prompt. Straight away after, I actually remember having a break after that prompt and going, right, I'm going to write this as a movie. Um, wow. I didn't do a good job of it. I imagine people who are listening will do a better job of turning that prompt into something fun. But if it does spark your imagination, please do let me know. I'm on the. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere as real Philip Carter, but my publishing stuff and my coaching stuff is at halfplanetpress.substack.com. And like I said, some of those prompts are going to be released free next week. Wow. It's like an email giveaway thing just to give people a test taste of the book. So I know even though it's two ninety nine, hmm. it's still a lot of money for some people, and I get that. So I want to make at least some of it accessible. But I propose that what you should do is kind of like a little contest where people have a go at one of your free prompts and send that, that in to you for, for a free coaching session on it. The yeah, I can off. do that. And you know, actually, I can, I can do you one better. If people get that book and they write a, pro- write a story based on one of the prompts mm. and they email it to me, and I'll, I'll add this to the Half Planet Substack later, the best one I'll publish on my own newsletter which has a few hundred subscribers at the moment, so it might it might help you get noticed. Nice one. That sounds amazing. We are nearly out of time, uh, Philip Carter. I want you to just like give us a quick rundown of what we need to look out for of yours next. Well, I'm gonna I've signed up to Bright Club Comedy, so I'm gonna be doing that at the King's Arms in Salford at some point. Um I'll drop an update again on Substack. So well, when when will that be? Will that be next month? It's gonna be yeah, some point I think near the end of March. I don't know the precise date yet. Okay. Um, but that's like a proper stand-up comedy set about time travel that I'm doing. Wow. It's oh, be I, a need lot of fun. I, I need to see that. Um, and, definitely. Uh, all of that's going to be on my Substack. So if you want to follow me as an author, that's realphilipcarter.substack.com. If you want to f- follow me as a publisher, that's halfplanetpress.substack.com. Both newsletters are totally free, and you get either short stories on one of them, or writing advice on another. And if I've got thirty seconds, mm-hmm. I'm going to take you to one of the ideas that I had the other day in one of my coaching sessions which is find your own definition of right there is no correct way to write a story if you want to write a story with just one layer that's very simple and silly you can if you want to write a story with 20 different layers in it you can do that as well create your own genres and be weird obviously I follow that one more than all the others I love that because that just ties into one of the names of uh, your, your workshops that you want to, or a show isn't it right weird uh, yeah, write more weird. 